welcome Saswikal Jiyanu to Beyond the Radar. We're back at it again. Let's go. Before we get started, we just want to thank everyone for the love on the first podcast. You know, if you guys if you guys didn't see it yet, please check it out. And then yeah. Um before we start with today's topics, we would like for you guys to comment, like this video, comment on this video and subscribe to the channel. We would love to reach 100 subscribers by the end of this month. Uh without further ado, let's get started with the Heat Celtics game 1 that just ended about a couple of hours ago. Uh I'll let you take the reins cuz I obviously missed the first half. Yeah. Uh coming back from work, so you let me know what happened in the first half and I'll try to fill in the stuff that I noticed in the second half. Yeah, so basically first half was a pretty back and forth to be honest and then Celtics did run away with it a little bit. They took yeah, so the 13 point lead and then uh but the Heat cut it to 9 at halftime. The big takeaways from a uh, game one or the first half were the Celtics were like playing big bully ball, so they were getting to paint a lot, going attacking the rim. The paint touches were good for them. And then but the Heat were in the game because one of Bam Adebayo was pretty aggressive in the first quarter and then uh, Kyle Lowry when he came off the bench was started I think he had three threes in a row at one point and yeah, then Yeah, I, I did see a meme on the train where he was Kyle Lowry Michael Jordan meme. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then just what kept heat in the game and cut it to nine points was the was just the three point. The three point field goal percentage was absolutely incredible today and that's what kept him in the game and ultimately probably won him the game. Okay. So yeah, like I I got back I think around third quarter just start at the end mid mid third quarter so by the time I turned it on it was a tie game and yeah you're right um I was just seeing shots going by Gabe Ben Gabe Vincent I saw shots going by Max Struess I believe uh Jimmy Butler was just doing Jimmy Butler things uh, when I checked the stats um Bam Adebayo had like 18 points at that point and then when I the one that just took me by surprise was uh, let me quickly pull it up was uh the three point percentage at one point it was exactly the field goal percentage. So yeah. at the by the end of this game, Miami had 16 out of 31, which was 51%, and the total field goal percentage was at 54%. And the funny thing is, did it Celtics got to the line 10 more times. So um yeah, when I was watching it, I saw Bam just being aggressive, bully ball, um uh, getting tie-ups, winning the jump ball, um and then just being aggressive on the offensive end, like he he didn't settle, he didn't give up the ball. And uh, every shot I almost saw, the the Heat almost hit that three. Um, anything else you noticed from that Heat side yeah. of things? Um, we also said this last time. We're like, we for in order for Heat to win a game, uh, Bam needs to be aggressive, which he was. And then the tie turn, the game turned around in the third quarter where Heat dropped forty five points in the third quarter, really getting a lead and just held on to it. to the rest of the game. Yeah, and we also said that like Jimmy's got to do Jimmy things and, and to be honest, I didn't even feel like a cl- that Jimmy Milwaukee series, but he did put like a 35. lot of 35 which is big and, and then got supporting one key stat here, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent, Max Struss and uh Kayla Martin all combined for 60 points. Each of them scored 15 exactly. Yeah. And uh, then Bam had 20 and then Jimmy had 35. That was just that that should have been a successful game and it was for the Heat. It was, yeah. Um even to be honest, Even from the Celtics, let's switch over to the Celtics. You have anything else to say to the Heat? Or the Heat, um, just keep this up, I guess. Keep it up. Try got do it the three split. more times. <laughs> they got the split, so yeah. that's key. Um, hopefully, if they get game two, then yeah, Celtics are definitely in trouble. Yeah. But getting the split first, it was big. But for for the Celtics, it didn't seem like they had a bad offensive game because when you look at the stats for Tatum and Brown, Tatum dropped thirty. 
on nine for 17 shooting. So maybe could have shot more, but it's still 53%. Brown, 48%. You know, off the bench, six man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon yeah, dropped 19. Derek White had a few good defensive possessions. But I think overall, obviously, because I missed a bit of the first half, so I was watching um, Shaq, Kenny, um, Ernie, and Chuck uh, inside the NBA. And they did say, like, the defense cost him a bit. And it, clearly so, because, like, how everybody went off for the heat should have not been the case, especially with the home game for the Celtics. Um, so I, I'm looking for the next game to see how will they respond for sure uh, defensively because uh, offensively it didn't seem like it was too bad from what I was watching. It was They did cut it down to, I think, six or five at one point late in the fourth from what I noticed. And then after that, the heat just, I guess, got some big stops and ran away with it. Yeah, so Celtics honestly didn't play bad. It's just that heat played perfect, in my opinion. And then, yes... The defensively they could have been better obviously especially on closeouts but like the way they were playing bam in the first quarter was like because they knew bam could like kick out the ball pretty well to three so then they let him they kept him one-on-one in there and that's where bam being aggressive obviously helped because you know he dropped 20 points and was absolutely killer in the game and then when they did converging on bam he kicked it out for the open threes and the heat made their shots is there who started off on jimmy butler you remember as guarding? Is it, was uh, it Brown no, they or always They were switching everything. Switching? They were switching everything. Do you want to see any change according to the defensive side to at least contain one or two of the guys? Or I guess closer to the shooters is a big thing, right? Because yeah. the one thing with Heat are, like Duncan Robinson played like six minutes, I think, and he was like supposed to be the main three-point shooter, but obviously he wasn't the guy. But like the, the undrafted guys, the hustle guys, they, they drop, they hit every shot, right? Do you anticipate happening that in game two again? Or is this, is this going to be another, if, if it is, it's just like, okay, yeah, might as well give Heat the series if they do the, pull this type of offensive game again. It's it's going to be hard to replicate this game. Especially in Boston. Especially in Boston and in general too, because like six people, I believe, were in double digits. The four, that dropped 15, Bam, and then Jimmy. So like, that's, you know, that's going to be hard to replicate. But like, if you're hot, you're hot, you know? Yeah. And if you're, if you're hot over a series... It's going to be hard to stop, and then the Celtics could be in trouble, but I'm not worried if I'm a Celtics fan or anyone just like that. You kind of have to be slightly worried, though, because they did get the split, so the pressure is on. That, yes, they have the pressure is on to win this game. Pro- then when you go back to Miami, the pressure is on then to get the split there, because if not, it could be wraps in six for what we know, right? So the Celtics obviously need to win one on the road for sure now. Yeah, that's true, but like I just feel like the Celtics played in a way where it is sustainable right yeah and then they played a good game honestly it's just that the heat were like yeah you're perfect. right you're right in a way because yeah i don't remember they did lose game one to philly without Embiid, so they did turn that tide around there quickly so yeah i mean for all we know they they obviously need to have a big response it's one of the reasons why i'm not worried is because the way they got their points especially in the first half and as well as throughout the game is like in the paint and that's very like efficient scoring so like you could easily you know have high field goal percentage if you keep on, you know, attacking the paint, attacking the rim, and then just driving at the hoop. Yes, yeah, it seemed like a good game for sure, man. Pissed that I had to miss it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, good thing Friday I end early, so I should be in home in time to at least catch the beginning before we go to our possible family event later on. But, um, yeah, uh, it was definitely anything else you want to add to it before we, because uh, we do have some slight breaking news. No, uh, and you want to close it out right there? Yeah, let's close it out there. Uh, for game two, I would predict the Celtics victory. Yeah, I mean, it has to be right. You kind of have to predict them. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it wasn't even like they had a bad game. It was just Miami, like you said, was perfect. So yeah. I think 
I, I feel like they will defensively clamp up, and I'm sure Miami will miss some shots that they kept hitting. But uh, before we go to game one for the Lakers Nuggets yesterday, uh, some slight breaking news um, tweeted by Sham Sarania uh, about a couple of minutes ago here. Warriors and President Basque of Basketball Operations, Bob Myers, have had no substantial contract extension. So it's not like he's officially leaving yet, but they're bracing for a likelihood that he could walk away from the franchise. So this is big because he definitely put out a competent roster around Steph, Dre, and Clay. Um, finesse some trades like the Wiggins for uh, D'Lo trade, for example, that helped them win the chip last year. Finding small guys like Kevon Looney. So I'm definitely intrigued to see what they what they do, if they're going to hire internally, if he even comes back. And he's hot on the market, that's for sure. I, I don't know who... I'm not sure who's a, looking for a new president or a GM or whatever. Probably president. Uh, he'll definitely be hot on the market for sure. Yeah, that's true. Like he did put over a good roster. He put a dynasty roster at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. So like four you chips. You can't fault him for anything, and especially the one they won last year without Kevin Durant was also big. And yeah, finding then, guys like Otto Porter. Yeah. And like making moves like that for sure. And then also like Wiggins, getting Wiggins and who who played a big part. In my personal opinion, he was the second best player. In that series last year in the finals. Yeah, not even just the team, the series. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, yeah, I mean, he did his job. He did his job well. So if he yeah. leaves, if it's up to him, if I'm the Warriors, try to re-sign him as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder what they do now. Do they hire external or internal? I think that's the key thing. I mean, if they hire internal, hopefully he learns some stuff of Bob Myers. So yeah. it'll definitely help him. Uh, help, definitely will help him in the future with the possible contracts that need to be done moving on to the western conference final the lakers and the nuggets had a game one and the lakers came up short so as the lakers fan what are your thoughts uh yeah again same thing as the heat game i was watching i missed a little bit of the end of the first quarter to the second quarter because i was driving home so i was listening to it as a radio style but i did catch the beginning on the sky train and bad start for sure we're getting Jokic out rebounded out rebounded us alone so that was a little annoying um it was like the early start was bad. I, I Like I said, last pod, I did say that we should not be starting the small lineup, like the Warriors closing lineup yeah. because of the size, and it definitely backfired. I, definitely Vanderbilt should have started that game. or Well, we'll get to it later, but possibly Hachimura. But um, as the game went on, it was like a little even. Then obviously they ran away. They hit like every shot. KCP went nuts uh, with his three-pointer. Jamal Murray dropped 30. Jokic had like a 30-20-15 game, I believe, or something like that. Um, yeah, so the start was horrendous. We were down like, what, 21 at some point. Um, hit Darvin Ham's in-game adjustment, great adjustment, little too late. Obviously, we cut that lead down to three, and I was not happy with that LeBron shot. And yes, granted, if he had hit that shot, I would have been running around or celebrating like crazy. Yeah, yeah. But... Even when he does shoot them and make them, it's like, I would just say, all right, never mind. But it's not at that point of the game, it was not the right shot selection for me. It was like about still like 40 seconds to a minute to go. He could have definitely taken Jamal Murray, who was had five fouls at that time. Um, you know, back him down, right? back him down, maybe make him like you probably either get an easy layup or get either him or Jokic to foul, hopefully. But yeah, I, I think that De Anthony Davis obviously started off slow, then. The game plan changed to where he, instead of him being on Jokic, and there's sometimes you gotta tip your cap off. I think they both just canceled each other out in that game. But he, um, Darvin Ham, put Rui Hachimura on Jokic and let AD play free safety, play free safety on like 
Aaron Gordon. And that'd be the help guy. In the yeah, and it worked. It worked. It did work. Cr- incredibly. Awesome. And then Austin Reeves took over in the third or fourth quarter, which is needed. Um, um, before I tell you, before we go to the Nuggets or before I, I tell you what, what, what I want to see, what did you think of the game in general? You oh. watched, obviously, the bit of the part I missed. So what did you notice? Yeah, I'm going to. Probably I'm continuing on with the Lakers right now because that's where yeah, yeah continuing with the Lakers on. for sure. Um, yeah, Anthony Davis had an absolute monster game, so hats off to him, both ends of the floor. Could have been um, a little better defensively just because of the Jokic matchup, yeah. but obviously still a monster. Three steals, yeah, two blocks, um, is still almost, big. Honestly, his overall team defense, right, could have been better. Obviously, because you allowed a hundred twenty plus points, right, which is not good. But I feel like in that game, they were just so hot that like you just had to outscore them. So it had to be like a, yeah, it was literally the perfect game. For it had to be like, like a, remember the third quarter, Anthony Davis's hand was like this. Yeah, on Jokic, just at that point, he just like, he couldn't do anything. He had to smile. Yeah. And like it's like a boxing match, bro. The like back and forth boxing match, and like he had to throw haymaker after haymaker, right? So like in order for you to win that game, you had to outscore him. And th- this was my like uh, thought process coming into the game. I feel like if it was a like a higher scoring game, the Nuggets will win, and if it was a low scoring game, you guys will win, right? Yeah, cause like, we because we are we were the best defensive team since the deadline. Yeah, so then so I was so this is why I'm like a little bit encouraged by the uh, Lakers because they've shown that like if it is a high scoring game they could put up points, right? Yeah. So AD always had a monster game. LeBron did LeBron things with twenty plus points, and then you had also Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves combined for forty points as well. Yeah, which is a little. Killer. I think it was a little too late because the guards, the starting guards, D'Lo struggled. He had a couple of shots in the third quarter. Shooter only took three shots, and Reeves struggled a bit. So they needed one of them at least has to go off at the beginning if AD and um, LeBron are going. Because clearly with the Nuggets, um, everybody was going off except like Aaron Gordon offensively. Like Bruce Brown off the bench went nuts as well. But yeah, you're right in terms of we 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 shown the capability of coming back. Yeah. So then basically for me, like obviously defense was why you lost the game. But if I were to pick one person, it would obviously be DeAndre Russell. For if it's more games like this, this high scoring games, he has to drop at least fifteen points. Yeah. For you guys, have I a mean, chance th- there's this, the stat is if D'Angelo Russell scores more than seventeen points, we're undefeated in the playoffs. Yeah. Less than that, I think we've lost every game or may have won one game. Yeah. But, so, yeah. uh, so like the adjustment that Darwin had made to put uh, AD as the help, so every time Jokic did his move, he always spun into AD, and AD also helped the uh, Rui, and then Jokic had to point in the fourth quarter where he struggled a bit but like that adjustment was really good i feel like definitely you should start like rui hachimura 100 should start next game in my opinion because he produced on the offense for me it depends and we'll get into the game two matchup yeah but, but he and for in my opinion he should start because he did a well the offensive firepower and in. also did well defensively as well um before we continue on like what our thoughts should be of our game two of the adjustments obviously i'm watching this game with a lot of bias so i have a lot of thoughts especially that i did watch most of this game the Nuggets, um, like I said, Jokic off the bat, monster, triple-double. You know, he's that unique center that he's not the back to the basket, but he could definitely post-play. But then, like, back, obviously you as a Raptor fan have seen this, but not in his prime. Marcus Saul, um, obviously Jokic is not the defender Marcus Saul was, but in terms of the offensive side, the guy could shoot. I don't think Jokic's shooting gets talked about a lot, like how Carl Towns does, you know, Miles Turner even. Uh, Jokic obviously showed that he could shoot the ball, shoot weird fadeaway shot, like un- unconventional, unathletic looking way, but it's it hits. It's so funny because he's like so unathletic and he's just falling, like fading yeah. away and just like 
doing the little it's hooks and funny, stuff. It's funny, yeah. Just, <laughs> and then the playmaking, right? Like, I, yeah. like that's the key that, like, I thought Marcus All was an elite playmaker as a center. But um, Jokic definitely is probably much better, much flashier. That pick and roll with him and Jamal Murray, he's such a big, like, he's just holding the ball on the, at the top of the key. And then one of either Murray or um, KCP, Bruce Brown, whoever's shooting hot, will just come around him. And he's too big, right? So it's like, even if you put, like, he's your point guard essentially on the court yes because he's making yeah. the ball up all the time yeah really, right like, which is pretty funny to see at times but yeah um that key number one Jokic just played Jokic showed why he's the best center in the league um this, he's shown it in the playoffs um Jamal Murray had to be that guy uh, and he, he showed he did it can he be consistent now if he's consistent then yes the Lakers are definitely in trouble and your prediction might be right but if if he's going to be streaky then we definitely have a chance um obviously the key um Obviously, him defensively is going to be an issue because they're going to put him pick and roll. So he's got to figure that out. And Michael Malone's got to figure that out. And obviously, Bruce Brown off the bench. Not nothing, nothing crazy happened. But they obviously, I, I felt like they let loose a bit clearly because they had a twenty-one point lead and almost blew it. It was a three-point game at one point. It could have, you know, if LeBron hit that three, it was a tie game. Obviously, um, they definitely. I think Michael Malone. I don't know if the players just didn't adjust to the adjustment by Darvin Ham. Um, so let's see if Michael Malone, because we all know what the Lakers are going to do with the adjustment. Can Michael Malone counter that right now? And then, yeah, we go from there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so for me, the keys to, obviously, the Nuggets for winning, obviously, first of all, that first quarter by first quarter by Jokic was probably the best individual like s- performance s- I've seen, like, in a quarter by a player. I think the other, Nug- than, other than Clay Thompson's 36-point yeah, quarter. Yeah, I think... I think the offensive rebounds were like seven to two defensive rebounds for the yeah, Nuggets. Yeah, so it's like he was the first ever player, I believe, to have 10-plus rebounds and five-plus assists in a quarter. And he man almost had a triple-double in the first. Yeah, he almost did. Or double-double, double, sorry. Double-double, double, yeah. Double, he double, was two double. points away. Yeah, then obviously Jamal Murray showed up, be, became the second guy. The role players balled out. Brown, like I mentioned last time, as like he'll be really good off the bench. And obviously, Contavious yeah, called Will Pope. Definitely an under-the-rating side. They combined for 37 points, which is huge. Gordon, like, Eric Gordon did a pretty decent Aaron, job on LeBron. Aaron. Aaron Gordon, yeah. did. Uh, I think he did a pretty decent job on LeBron. It's... But, like, at the end of the day, LeBron's here, LeBron. Here's the key adjustment. So, once the Lakers... That's my one of my key notes, points I made. Uh, when Darvin had made that switch, Aaron Gordon was just static. Like, he didn't really run around much. So, AD was able to play for ECFD. So, the key thing is, how is Aaron Gordon going to respond to that um, defensive, yeah, that's offensive on matchup offensive on eighty. Yeah, I'm yeah. mentioning the defensive yeah, side yeah, on LeBron for sure. Yeah, so uh, I'll get into that too. I have a point about that. Um, then also the adjustment, eighty in the paint helping on Jokic. So for me, the adjustment that Denver Nuggets have to make is that they're gonna have to get in a pick and roll game with uh, Aaron Gordon to get eighty out of the paint because la- I remember last series yeah. when the Warriors had success that's... is when they involved Anthony Davis in the pick and roll, got him out of the paint. And then just got a paint touch in and either finished at the rim or had a good paint touch and kicked out for a three. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, anything else for the Nuggets? Oh, you said you had something for Aaron Gordon on the offense. Oh, yeah. you just, that, That's yeah. what it was. That yeah, Aaron yeah. Gordon pick and roll. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I think the Lakers now going to the key point of game that's to watch over game two. Um, Lakers definitely are not respecting the three-point shot as much as they did with um, Curry and Thompson. Makes sense because they're Curry and Thompson top obviously the greatest shooter and top three shooter maybe all time. Um, so they definitely need to respect the three-point shooting a little bit, especially when they find, they're they hitting them. 
Um, KCP was definitely has improved his three point shot. I've seen him on the Lakers, how how he progressed that, and he great pickup for the Nuggets. But the key for me is again most likely if D if D'Lo continues to start. Either way, you're right. I think Hachimura should start, but I think D'Lo needs to come off the bench, personally, because um, Bruce Brown today said they're picking apart <laughs> D'Lo on purpose because he's not a good defender, right? He could be that spark plug off the bench. I don't know. There's a report that he's not going to be too happy about that. Obviously, I don't give a crap about that. I, I, I just want to win games if that's the best option because Shooter definitely could guard Murray like how he did Curry in a way, and Murray is no Steph Curry. So um, he could definitely go around screens. He's quick uh, guy. Um, so D'Angelo Russell either step up or he definitely bring him off the bench. Um, and the key thing is... I know Michael Malone's a good coach. He will find an adjustment of Darvin Ham's adjustment. So the key thing is, can Darvin Ham, who I criticized of making in-game adjustments, made a great one? Can he make another in-game adjustment if that, if Michael Malone and the Nuggets figure that out? Pick and roll starts happening. And right. the other key thing for me is, can he get those guys back into foul trouble? Yeah, um, that was key because uh, there was a challenge where like Yo, uh, Murray got. Like Murray fouled him, they called the foul on Murray. Yeah, and then that was his fifth. <laughs> that was and so then funny. They challenged it to Jokic being the f- like fourth, a, I think, giving Jokic his fourth foul, and then they won the challenge, and everyone's celebrating because like they won the challenge, even though it was still a foul. Yeah, <laughs> that was just pretty jokes. Um, <laughs> and the key thing is that I mean, the obvious thing is the rebounding. If the Lakers control the rebounding, um, then they could have easily won that game for sure. So the key things for the Lakers to win is rebounding. The key thing for the Nuggets to win is just to do what they're doing and figure out the adjustment of how to fix that um, late game adjustment by Darvin Ham. So what's your game two prediction? Lakers. <laughs> I, okay. I I I mean okay, it's I don't project Nuggets to obviously the Lakers was a little bias to the jump to the conclusion, but the reason is just because I don't see the Nuggets being this perfect. You know the same thing with the Heat. I guess the difference is. Um, I don't see the Nuggets being this perfect, but I know the Lakers had a great shooting night as well, so it's a little tough. But, you know, I feel like the Lakers will get the split here. It's tough because, like, I, I don't think we mentioned it last pod, but both teams are undefeated at home. So it's going to be coming down to who's the first road team to win, unless it's Game 7, which obviously the Lakers need to win that road game. Otherwise, the Nuggets supposedly should win in 7, right? And this has been a fun series. We've seen the exciting aspect of the close game i mean it's only been one game but no the game (laughs) like that game alone like i'm watching different analysts and i was listening to halford and bruff the the run of basketball analyst he's like yeah this game this this game was it was exciting for sure it was an incredible game so i as an nba fan i won seven i know you're gonna hate that because you're gonna go well i'm gonna be stressed for sure (laughs) and then uh yeah, so my prediction will be nuggets defend home court but i also believe the lakers will also defend home court so i'd be like I'd say Nuggets so, take game two, but I think the Lakers should be taking game three and four. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about game three and four. Yeah, but later, that's for future. Depending on how, how this goes. But yeah, I think the Denver Nuggets will take a 2-0 lead. Any Anything else? Any big matchups you want to see? Any big things? No, I think we got it all, bro. Yeah, all right. So, uh, moving on, we got some big news yesterday. We kind of had this feeling that it was going to happen last episode. Doc Rivers officially did get fired by the Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously... You thought it was definitely happening and definitely deserved. Um, I thought it was a little harsh, but I wouldn't say it wasn't deserved. And the reason why is like when you look at the aftermath, um, the reason why I don't say it's fully deserved on him is just the Sixers gave up on him in Game 7. Harden, no show. Embiid, no, really not a show either. Embiid, Embiid was no show. Yeah, so 
that's why I'm like, you got to play for your coach. Now, the other flip side is, it depends. I don't know. We don't know what happens behind the locker room. Um, Rashid Wallace actually um, played for Doc Rivers for, in the Celtics when they lost to the Lakers in 2010. He did say, like, yeah, no, he deserved to be fired because he, he, you need someone you could play for. And obviously, it's a player's league. But he does not know not know how to make any in-game adjustments. So that's a little tough. Um, before we, I ask you some quick fire, like who, who, who should be the guy available? Because I heard certain names like Sam Cassell, I think was on the coaching staff. Um, I'm going to pull up a, I think it was a little report. So this is from a guy named Michael Scott. Quietly, there has been a belief for a while that Mike D'Antoni would be a coaching candidate for the Sixers. If Rivers is relieved, so this is before he got fired officially or relieved of his coaching duties while Harden was a Sixer. So this thing kind of annoys me a little bit because, like, I understand it's a player's league, but you're catering to a guy that might be leaving, but obviously he'll stay if it's... Because uh, Harden did say publicly that... Not publicly, sorry. Hard, there's a report that Harden does not want to play for um, Rivers anymore. So maybe that's the reason why they're fired. And if you're bringing in the only coach that had great, he had great success with, I get it. But we haven't seen... Like, Harden sucks at closeout games. I'm sorry. Like, I've never seen someone not as clutch as him in the in the closeout game. He's had certain big moments in the playoffs, but in this case, yeah. Um what do you think of that if that if this is if the report is true? Did did it not like wasn't there a report last year about it too when Rivers on the hot seat? Yeah, okay, when when they, if they were gonna blow it to the Raptors. Yeah. yeah. So like um, um isn't there a GM or president of Rock? Yep, it's the it's the What's his name? Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, so the old guy in Rockets. Right? Yeah, so they're pretty much making the Philadelphia Rockets at this point because PJ yeah. Tucker is also there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, like, yes, Harden has to play better. Don't get me wrong. Embiid has to play better. It is, like, for me, it was on the players more than coach. But, like, at the end of the day, your coach has to be, like, your best guy because at the end of the day, the series is between the coaches as well of matter of adjustments, game from game, in game, right? So, like... So if Doc Rivers wasn't showing up, which he didn't for the last three years, got eliminated in the second round three years in a row, something had to change, and they had to get to the next level. And then I think Doc did build, like, a good team. Like, he developed a good team. Like, he coached a good team in the regular season. Obviously, yeah. they're good seeding. So I feel like if they could get someone that takes them to the next level, they, they just have to take the opportunity now because Obviously. it failed three years in a row, right? Yeah, I mean, it sucks because coaches do get short leashes. So that's my question to you next. Whenever Doc Rivers has left a team, he got a job pretty quick. So do you think Doc Rivers will get a job quick as a head coach again in any available spot? Or do you think he might take a break? Or do you think he might uh, come back as a head coach later or be an assistant coach for the time being, kind of like what Mike Brown did? I think he's taking, I think it's, it'll take at least a year. In my opinion, I don't think he's getting something right away. So I think I don't know if he will take the year off or just like the opportunity is not there. Or take an assistant coaching position. Yeah. If I were him, I would just take a year. Like at the end of the day, like you are a decent, like you are a solid head coach. You have a title, right? Just just one title though, which is. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a right? stat like uh, he has a horrible record in game sevens. As yeah, well. that's true. And he Multiple. also like blew a bunch of series leads yeah so that's why i don't think he'll get one right away but i definitely believe that he'll be a head coach in the league again okay so this is before we transition off um to the nba lottery here um 
just fired coaches in general. I know we talked a little bit last pod, but I just have a quick rapid fire. You don't have to like go into great detail. You can one sentence is fine as well. Um, so I'm going to give you the list of the coaches that did get fired. And do you think they get a job right away? Obviously, we talked about Doc Rivers. Or do you think, and if they do get a head coaching, head coaching job, do you, when do you think will happen? Or if they have no chance whatsoever? So the first person is Steven Silas was fired by the Houston Rockets. Um, yeah, what do you think? At best, if he gets something right away, it'll be an assistant job. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he'll get a head coaching job for a fair yeah, bit now. There were rep- some turmoil with the Rockets, and if you have a young team like that and you can't handle it, how are you going to handle the big boys? So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. It'll be an assistant maybe, and then hopefully he, he finds his way back. Um, Nick Nurse, your boy. He should get one. All right, he, he did take the Raptors to the next level, which was a championship. Obviously, the second year, coach of the year. Yep. Third year was Tampa year, so it was kind of like up and down. It was hard. Like, it was hard. hard man. Yeah, it was like hard. And then last year they made the playoffs, and then this year was probably my first real. All right, Nick Nurse, what what are you doing? Type yeah, of year, right. Yeah, I mean, there's openings like Philly's opening, Milwaukee's opening, and speaking of Milwaukee, Mike Boonholzer. I don't know if like he should, in my opinion. He got a job right away from Atlanta when he got fired from Atlanta to um, Milwaukee. Again, it's like a Doc Rivers thing for me. He doesn't make adjustments that I've noticed. Giannis has publicly come out and said that too. That being said, I'm not saying Giannis hated him or anything. He was just saying like, adjustments should have been made. He's definitely that regular season coach for me. Like he, he'll definitely take like for example your current Raptor team. If you were to hire him, he would probably make you a playoff team. But then I think that's the ceiling. Yeah. For him, so he's definitely that type of hire. I don't know if uh, I might be missing some spots that are open, but. Um, yeah, uh, I think that he might get a job, but I, I could see him taking a year off. He did, I know, um, it was sad news for him. He did coach in the pl- playoffs when his, I think his brother passed away. So uh, during the playoffs as well. So it's kind of, it was a sad time to also coach. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with you. He should get a job, but I don't know if it'll be uh, this year or it'll take a while. Yeah. If anything opens. Um, yeah. Well, I'll save the last one later. Cause Dwayne Casey. Fired by the Pistons, but I'm not 100% sure that if he, I think he's in the front office though right now, but if he wanted to be a head coach, do you think he gets one? I don't think he gets one, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and the last one is, I think it's an obvious answer, Monty Williams. Yeah, that's, it's disrespectful if he does it, in my <laughs> I opinion. I think it's instant, I, I think it's definitely an instant hire. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like I said, Philly's open, Toronto's open, Milwaukee's open, those are, you know, depending on what you guys do, uh, getting into the lottery here, but... Yeah, I think he should definitely get a job ASAP. Yeah, 100%. In my opinion, him and Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse <laughs> should get a job right away. All right, so on Tuesday, the NBA draft lottery happened, so we're going to start talking about that a little bit. Um, the results were the Spurs got the yeah, I got, one I got overall him, pick, right? I got him right here, yeah. Um, so the Spurs actually moved up two spots and won the lottery. Um, Charlotte also moved up two spots won the lottery. Uh, Portland... They moved up two spots as well. Uh, so those are three winners. Those are the top three. Houston fell out, top uh, dropped off two spots. So there was highest odds were the second. They dropped to four. And Detroit had the worst record in the NBA and moved down to five. So biggest losers are right there. Everything else fell into place from six to 14. Your Raptors stay at 13. Yeah. So um, Spurs got Wembenyama. Victor Wembanyama, the French guy, as long as they make the pick, which I think at this point is for I mean, sure. If ESPN flew all the way to Paris just to interview him, and I feel like 
the guy who celebrated this who was repping the spurs like just let out a little let's go yeah i'm pretty sure they're drafting with, and even like, like Wembenyama. even after like you saw a video of Wembenyama like celebrating he was not a rocket <laughs> when the fourth pick came and uh he pretty i think the interview afterwards was essentially him like yeah i'm, I'm a spur and i'm ready to win so obviously for me the biggest winner obviously the spurs but also Wembenyama and not just because he's going to be the first overall pick. It's also because the team he goes to. The, guess who were the last two first overall picks that the Spurs made? Tim Duncan. Yeah, in 97. And, and there was one before that. David Robinson. And what do they all have in common? They're big. <laughs> yeah, so they're big men. They were, gener- you know, big-time talents. I believe they were generational during their time. Of course, Tim Duncan, in my opinion, is um, a very underrated superstar, not talked about a lot in the top 10 conversations. But and Wembenyama has... Greg Popovich as his coach, he knows how to manage um, young guys, young superstars, clearly. And Frenchmen. And oh yeah, Tony Parker. Um, yep, yeah, Tony Parker. And uh, yeah, no, for me, for me, it was especially because he teamed up with Popovich. Popovich most one of the most successful coaches of all time, right? Arguably top three coach, depending on any what order you want to put it in. Um, he definitely, I don't think Popovich will retire anytime soon <laughs> unless like he has, he's forced to, but yeah, well, Spurs, uh, teaming, he right now has a, he's teaming up with Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. I didn't watch much Spurs. I don't know who did watch much Spurs other than <laughs> Spurs fans. I don't even know if they did, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, right. They're, they were probably just praying for the lottery. <laughs> yeah. Um, the concern for me is definitely his stature. Um, we saw Chet Holmgren get injured, bumping into like LeBron last year in the what was the the workout runs they do before the season, the Drew League, and obviously I don't know how how much Alexei Pokashevsky played for the OKC Thunder as well. So definitely to look at, you know, for those of you guys that don't know who Victor Wembanyama is, he is a Frenchman. Um, definitely, uh, he's like seven five, I think. He's seven. Shoots the ball insane, could score. Um, blocks everything so it's very mobile for his size too yeah mobile. very mobile for his size mm-hmm. um yeah so the spurs got a good one we'll see how it goes i'm definitely the best spot for him you want to talk about the biggest loser in this case i mean sucks to suck detroit <laughs> <laughs> right like i mean i feel like Cade was injured for a bit too right Cade was injured for yeah, most so of that's that why year. like i didn't really expect him to have the worst record but like with the injuries um yeah of course and it sucks but like if they had gone the first pick, a big three of potentially in the future of Cade, Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and uh, Victor Wambanyama would be pretty Definitely insane. would have made a decision on Jalen Duran or James Wiseman, but they're also a loser because they can't even get Scoot Henderson and they can't also get, um, what's his name? Brandon, Brandon Miller. Miller from Alabama. So like those guys are the projected two and three. It's flipped everywhere. Like It's Victor Wambanyama at the top, then pick your poison between the two of them. The other top prospects I've heard a lot about were the Thompson twins from the Overtime League, Ozer and Amen, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so back, and another winner, sorry, is, in my opinion, Portland. And the reason why, and it actually it depends on which way you look at it, right? You have, Portland's got options now. Um, and the options are you trade the pick and help Dame out right now, or you make the pick I think Scoot Henderson might fall to them because Charlotte already has LaMelo Ball, so they might go Brandon Miller. Or even if they take Brandon Miller, they have a guy that could still... I'm not saying he's off. They're off. these guys are off the back and help Dame, but who knows, right? People can surprise us a rookie year. 
or you just trade Dame and rebuild and gather more picks. So I'm going to transition this to a little bit. Um, Bleacher Report came out with some article, uh, an article that says it's labeled realistic trades. trades. Yep. Realist, realistic. They're never realistic. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it says realistic trades post NBA lottery, finding homes for your boy. You're wearing his all-star shirt, Pascal Siakam and more. Right. Um, so, but I'll get into that one in a second here. The first one is this one seems a little realistic to me. Dallas Mavericks will trade their 10th overall pick, Davis Bertans and Jaden Hardy for Miles Turner. Yeah, I feel like especially how their season ended and potential Kyrie leaving, they'll probably add like a star. And even even if Kyrie comes back, this is a definitely need. Their defense was horrendous. They traded yeah, with Dorian sure. Finney-Smith. Miles Turner's a stretch big, so it doesn't block the paint for Luka or Kyrie, if, assuming Kyrie comes back. And he could and he could shoot the ball as well. Yeah, Miles Turner is like a good big, like a good big to have in today's NBA. Yeah, I think his only concerns were her health. Yeah, health is his concern. Yeah, moving on. There's four trades, so this is the second one. If the Raptors do not say yes to this trade, it's definitely mind blowing to me, and I won't be surprised because the team I'm going to name they're making the trade with is the Washington Wizards, and you know how they traded Rihachimura away for Kendrick Nunn. So the trade is. Washington will trade away Daniel Gafford, Johnny Davis, Isaiah Todd, and their eighth pick for a sign-in trade Fred Van Vliet only. Not realistic, first off. Bro, man, stop getting my hopes up. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up. That's not <laughs> But happening. that's an instant yes for the Raptor fan, right? Yeah, 100%. Right? Fred's going to command 30 mil probably. Um, yeah, he's going to Washington is doing Washington things. <laughs> uh, and get you get the eighth pick? Eight and 13? So far. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, win. I, mean, I don't I mean, see this happening. At it's all. not happening, but if it's an instant yes. You're throwing Fred. You're throwing a p- another piece with Fred. That's for sure. Like a, maybe a precious a chua or something. But well, I hope not. I hope they. I hope they propose <laughs> this. <laughs> but but like, I don't. I don't know who wrote this article exactly. Uh, let me give him a sp- Zach Buckley. Um, not realistic, buddy. But <laughs> that one especially. The least, next one. At least thank you for writing something we could talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Magic accelerate their. Um, rebuild or retool however you're gonna put it they're trading away gary harris jonathan isaac jalen suggs and the 11th pick to the chicago bulls for zach levine that's big it's big if i'm chicago it's an instant no right jonathan isaac hasn't played much (laughs) yeah so like that's not that's not even a piece and gary harris is just a salary filler he's like no he's like a all right role player at this point of his career yeah suggs you know, once upon a time, Raptors uh, were supposed to take Suggs and people were clowning him for taking Scotty Barnes. Well, look at you guys now. Um, you guys obviously prefer Scotty. Suggs hasn't been anything special. And to be fair, I haven't watched much Orlando ball. Um, this is an instant no from the Chicago side of things. 100%. Even Orlando. I'm like, why Why ruin something young that you guys are going? You did well last year, later, later, later. On in the season. I mean, you're the eleventh pick. You have for the rookie. We have the rookie of the year in Paolo Bencaro who killed yeah, it. Yeah, hundred percent killed it. So, yeah, I don't think this is realistic, and I don't think that either team should be accepting this trade. Yeah, um, uh, for like Orlando, you were the eleventh pick for a reason. That means you actually like you showed something. You were definitely a playing contenderish. You, I don't know. No, how. you weren't really a playing contender, but like you weren't, you weren't at the bottom. Yeah, you weren't the F tier of basketball this year. Moving on, last one. This is where your boy comes in here. 
Toronto receives Anthony Simons, Nazir Little, Keon Johnson, and don't know much too much about him, and the third pick, just for Siakam. I mean, uh, I'm, not realistic. I've been on the rebuild mode for the Raptors personally, and so obviously I'm gonna say instant yes, but I that's mean, not get, happening. You get Simons and a third pick. Simons and a third pick. And the third that's... pick could potentially be either Scoot, your future point guard, and or Brandon Miller, depending on you know. I think this trade from Portland again. I've seen Portland made bad trades before. This is one of them. They should definitely throw in like a OG or someone. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. Like, like Portland should ask piece. for that. I'm not saying Toronto should give it, but. Yeah, this is an instant yes from Toronto side instant, of things. Instant yes, hundred um, percent. Portland, I mean, we, we'll get into the Dame talk in the off season more, but you have so there's so much because Dame has publicly come out and said I don't want a rebuild if I'm staying in Portland. So they might there reports that they're looking to trade away that pick. The only question I, I have for Portland is how desperate are you? Yeah, I mean right? they've shown it before. They with the Norm Powell trade. Yeah, so they're desperate. So I'm not. So they might just play off emotions and make a stupid trade like that, but at the end, at the end of the day, it's Portland, and I I think if like any if their GM has like general common sense, that just trade them and rebuild. Uh, if you're you just gotta either trade Dame rebuild or if you're doing that trade potentially, which I doubt it, it you gotta ask for like more pieces, hundred percent. Yeah. So my last comment on that is. It's probably an ownership thing from Portland side of things. Like Dame's gonna bring dollars in, right? Like people travel from BC, from where we are, to Portland to watch Dame play. If, if Dame doesn't play, then it, you better hope someone like LeBron, if they're playing the Lakers, play or like Kawhi or like um, Joel Embiid or Jokic or whatever, right? Yeah, Giannis. Um, yeah. So those are the trades. I think only one of them was like probably realistic, which yeah. is the Miles Turner one, and. The last thing before we close out the um, NBA lottery stuff before we get into the NHL talk for the day is Woj had said this prior to the draft lottery, I believe. This is the most highly anticipated player to ever enter the NBA, talking about Wembenyama. Maybe the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Now, I'm not going to go history. I get it. He's a worldwide athlete. So maybe that's why the hype is higher than LeBron 03. But let's talk about last decade. Keep in mind, he said team sports. So this is my question for you. Um, is it Wembenyama? Is it Connor McDavid? Or is it Trevor Lawrence? Because remember, Trevor Lawrence had the highest grade since Andrew Luck. At that point, he it was a tank for Trevor Like from the minute he played in that championship game against Alabama in his rookie or freshman year. So if you were to rank the history part of things, right? how would you rank these three in terms of the hype? Don't talk about Trevor Lawrence now. Talk about Trevor Lawrence during his draft year itself. I mean... And McDavid. Being in Canada, of course, we're going to hear a lot of hockey talk. Yeah. So that gives McDavid a little advantage. But at the end of the day, I personally believe... I still believe it's McDavid won for me. Especially like uh, because of all those like highlights we watched of him. Just killing it in the junior, uh, the World Juniors as well when Team Canada won gold that year. Uh, so for me, I might just rank it, like I'm not saying like talent-wise, I'm just ranking by like... The hype. Like I'm what the I've been like exposed to the most. Okay. Could be different from you, could be different for anyone else. Yeah. And for me, it was personally McDavid, Lawrence, and Wembenyama. That's how I've been exposed I, to it. I agree with McDavid. 
um, I've never seen a ho- like the greatest talent in hockey, right? Um, speed, scale, everything is there. I disagree with you about Trevor Lawrence, just on the worldwide aspect of things. Um, when Benyama was shown a couple of years before he was even draft eligible, um, he's a French player. He sh- there are clips of him crossing up Rudy Gobert during the French national team practices. So I'm going to go Wembenyama 2, and I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence 3. Obviously, there's no draft in uh, sorry soccer, really. So, And then MLB, we don't know much till like, years down the line. So, yeah, and I, I would go Wembenyama 2. I think McDavid still by far. My, uh, like my only, like, way to fight back to that is because, like, the moment... Like I, it could be the same for Wembenyama as well. But for me, the moment I heard of Trevor Lawrence, was like, yeah, he is gonna be the number one overall pick, and he was three years away. Yeah. So that's why yeah, like, no, I've been more, I've been more exposed to that than Wembenyama. So obviously, you, for me, like yeah, I saw those clips against Rudy Gobert, but like for me, when I first like saw Wembenyama properly play was the game against the G League at night with him Scoot Henderson. versus Scoot Henderson, and I just saw those like. Watch those highlights and like, okay, yeah, he is number one. It's just for the aspect of like a seven four. Like we've seen a Trevor, not exactly Trevor Lawrence type player, but I'm saying like we've seen the hype of Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, right, John Elway in the past. Like we haven't physically seen John Elway, but like the hype years down the line. When Benyama, seven five guy that could shoot, defend, like take big steps and step back three, not even like um, catch and shoot either. So. I mean, yeah, it's it's fair argument, but I I think we both agree, McDavid, and we definitely disagree with Woj in this case. For yeah, sure. um, uh, Com- I mean, Wemben Yama's a demigod. He's what every two K my player wants to yeah, be. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, comment down below though, what do you guys think? Um, if if you agree with us that McDavid should be one, or it should be Wemben Yama one, or even Trevor Lawrence at this point. But yeah, let let us know. And- uh, yeah, for my last point, I'm like, if your nickname is Mick Jesus, I think you should be number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. On to the NHL. We had a game seven on Monday where the Dallas Stars faced the Seattle Kraken. And uh, Dallas prevailed with a 2-1 victory and earned the right vase Vegas in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, it was like, from what I, like, again, I missed a little bit of it, but go, it was a goalie battle when I got home. Um from what I was listening on the radio as well, on the drive home. Um, you know, there's a fact, actually a fun fact I'm going to tell you. Peter DeBoer, Dallas's head coach, for those of you who don't know, is 7-0 and in Game 7 in the playoffs, I believe. That's, I, think <laughs> that's that's what, I think that's what I heard on Halford and Bruff, I believe. That's insane. Um, so, definitely the opposite of Doc Rivers. <laughs> for sure, opposite <laughs> but, of Doc Rivers. Yeah. Um, Congrats, obviously, Dallas, um, uh, Ottinger, like you said on, on um, the last episode, that yeah, it was going to come down to the goalies, and Ottinger was obviously the better goalie. I mean, they both performed well. Like, yeah. Grubauer actually had, like, a really good game as well. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact of, like, it, I didn't say Ottinger needed to be better, but I said Ottinger needed to be good, and he was good. Yeah. But, you know, it's time to give her props to Seattle. You know, hopefully eventual rivals, so we could have some back and forth, but... As of right now, Seattle, let's see if they'll come back next year. I think most of their roster is signed, if I'm not mistaken. But can they add a piece to help this team? But uh, it's definitely no one thought they were going to be Colorado, right? So the fact that they even took Dallas to seven, um, it was big for sure. So nothing uh, to be sad about if you're a Kraken fan and the people from Seattle. From It's actually big for the market as well because even like people talk about the Seahawks and the Mariners a lot. 
And now that the Kraken showed that um, they could, they're good, they're in the playoffs, like complete opposite, like complete 180 from last year. Um, they definitely a lot of like Seattle residents from what I heard from when I was listening to the radio that they're happy. So, um, I mean, it was a good year for sports in Seattle because Mariners yeah. made the playoffs. The Seahawks made the playoffs. Yeah. And then now Kraken obviously made the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, so now the question is, can they carry it on to the next year? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way they built the roster is like they have four lines. They have good pairs don't have pairs. an elite player so once if they have an elite yeah player, so that's the what they're gonna search for i mean grubauer showed that like proof yeah he struggled in his first year in seattle but this year he proved especially in the playoffs yeah uh one of Martin the main Jones. reasons one of the main reasons they won against colorado and obviously kept him in it for the whole game for uh against the yeah. stars in game Mar seven. martin jones obviously was a big factor in the regular season like people were like oh martin they, they might not be doing well because uh, Bauer, like you said, was hurt some of the year. But Martin Jones obviously held his own. But yeah, uh, let's move on. You know, give uh, now it's Dallas and Vegas, like you mentioned. Who has home ice, you know? It's Vegas. They're Vegas? the best team oh, in the best team? Okay, so yeah. um, let's quickly preview this. I, for me, it's going to be a goalie matchup. But actually, there's one funny thing I need to say. That Peter DeBoer... Is versing his old team. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> I completely slipped my mind uh, until I heard it on the radio, I think yesterday. So there's motivation there for sure. Um, it's going to be, a, for me, it's going to be a goalie thing. C can Golden Knights defense help Aiden Hill if it is Aiden Hill in net? Um, I don't know what the status of Brassois is or obviously Logan Thompson. It's going to be Aiden Hill, I believe. Yeah. And then can Ottinger not have an inconsistent series? And the other key thing before I let you go, are we going to see Jason Robertson step up now? That's uh, the big question. So for me, Vegas has done very well to protect their goalies with blocking shots, just holding it down defensively. Yeah. And then, and Aiden Hill did perform well, right? I was a bit skeptical. I was like, just play Jonathan Quick because he's an experienced guy. He had a good year last year. Yes, he struggled this year, but like he knows what he's doing. But Aiden Hill had like 30 plus think 36 saves yeah and in game six yeah he gave up two shot goals on two shots at that beginning and obviously and then after locked that, it out locked after it up. so like aiden hill could make that save for sure and vegas is doing well to uh help him out and protect him and yes uh one thing for jake oranger was like credit to him is that like he got pulled twice against seattle and he bounced back both games yeah he got pulled in game four bounced back game five pulled in game six bounced back game seven so obviously goalie edge goes to Dallas, but the thing about Vegas is that they have four lines going right now, but also Dallas has four lines going right now. Yeah. Like throughout the playoffs, obviously, you know, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, but like the lines where Wyatt Johnson is playing, he produced some goals. Jamie Benn at times stepped up. Tyler Sagan stepped up and scored some goals as well. So uh, defensively, I feel like, of course, as long as Mir Heiskanen is healthy, I still believe in Dallas' defense, but Vegas' defense... I feel like we're getting the two most complete teams in the Western Conference this year, Yeah, in my opinion. So, for me, it just comes down to Jason Robertson. Yeah, because he, he's obviously their best player. Obviously, he hasn't shown it in the playoffs. Rube Hintz was their best player. Joe Pavelski was the second best player. Um, Jake Ottinger, obviously, throughout, had rough patches. So... 
Yeah, um, the home ice is obviously Golden Knights, so there's an advantage there for that end. So what do you think is going to happen? Prediction. Game one, I believe, is on Friday. So Yeah, it is on Friday. I believe the Vegas Golden Knights will end it in six. They'll win 4-2 just because they have their four lines going right now. They're in good momentum, and I feel like uh, they'll be able to protect Aiden Hill well. And I feel like Aiden Hill shown in the Edmonton series that he could make the big save. So I'm going to pick the Vegas Golden Knights, even though I really don't want to. Key thing is um, Mark Stone's health, for sure. He obviously, after what, back surgery, after back surgery, played so well. So his health and how he's going to be, he's going to be, obviously, he's been killing it in the playoffs as well. But for me, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Dallas. And main reason is Ottinger. I feel like I know he struggled a little bit against Dallas. Sorry, against Seattle. Um, I'm going to go in seven, Dallas. And I'm going to say Ottinger steals a couple of games. And I'm hoping for a Jason Robertson come up. But I still think Rupe Hintz has been extremely insane this playoffs. Or I think the score ranked him as the favorite to be He's the 100% Smite, the favorite, yeah. For the Smite spot. I thought it was actually Kachuk, which... But uh, we'll get into this that game in a second. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go stars in seven. Okay, uh, I mean that's fair. I just it is a toss up in my opinion. I feel like um, just the way that both teams performed in the playoffs. You know, they were able to win multiple ways. One is goaltending. One is scoring. You know, right? So like they were able to win multiple ways. So it's gonna be exciting one for me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Sucks that like. These games are gonna be on at the same time as the NBA yeah, games. Yeah, so. for sure. Because I'm obviously gonna be in tr- more of paying attention to the Laker games. So yeah. After you obviously have to bounce back and forth for me there. Yeah. So it's me like flipping channels and yeah. stuff. <laughs> or we could just set up a, a secondary. Yeah. Part, um, device. But speaking of Kachak, I mentioned him earlier. Game one Thursday. Um, we already previewed this in the last episode. If you missed it, check that out. I think you had the Panthers winning. I said Panthers in six. And I had, I think I had Canes in six. Yeah. I went bold um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So. Game one, just quick. How do you think is gonna play? Um, um, home home ice is for uh, Carolina. Carolina has been good on the home this year, but Florida Florida has been good on the road this year. Yeah, they, they took three from and, Boston and Toronto. They took three in Toronto. Uh, so as long, just for me, it just as long as Bobrovsky is just playing how Bobrovsky is playing right now, and obviously Kachuk is playing like Kachuk. I just feel like I feel like it'll be a split, and I feel like. Uh, Florida will steal game one today because this will be a day of uploading, obviously. I, f- I feel like it's going to be split, but I'm going Kane's game one for, for right now. Uh, I'll decide on game two once we watch game one, but um, right now I'm, I'm going to st- stick with Kane's. I feel I feel like they're, they're one of the most complete teams for sure, even with the injuries of how they're... I mean, I guess we're going to say complete with the injuries, but the, even without their, with their injuries, they've been succeeding. Well. They've been pretty dominant, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the probably the biggest NHL news of the day. From last night, carrying over this morning, um, the F- Arizona Coyotes um, stadium vote has not passed. So, just a little backstory context here: um, the Arizona Coyotes, once known as the Phoenix Coyotes, moved from Phoenix to Glendale. Problem was the Arizona, and they renamed Air- to Arizona, and Arizona were not a good team. So the problem was they didn't generate enough revenue and there's reports out there that they couldn't afford to pay the rent and they didn't pay the rent and Glendale essentially kicked them out. 
And come this year that they were going to play in Tempe, but the problem was they had to get the vote to pass. So in the meantime, they're playing in uh, Arizona State University. They named it Mullet Arena. It's only a 3,000 cap arena, so it's pretty funny seeing NHL players play it in, like, you know, a junior rink or whatever. But, and their hopes were to get the vote passed. So in, I think, three years' time that they'll get this $2 billion um, sports complex built in Tempe and Arizona stays. That vote didn't pass. They have no home as of other than the two years they have remaining in Arizona. I've been, uh, or in, sorry, a- ASU. I've been saying that they need to relocate, but before we get into that topic, I do. Gen- I was listening to Halford and Bruff this morning, and they brought in um, a, the local reporter, and you could hear it in his voice that it was he was emotional because he he grew up a hockey guy. He wanted to cover hockey, and he's a local. I think he's a local beat reporter, but he was covering the Coyotes, and there's a pos- and he feels defeated that they are going to relocate or sell and relocate, um, and. That's where I feel bad because they are diehard fans. At, at the end of the day, yeah, it's not the biggest market there. The Cardinals are ahead of them. The Suns are ahead of them, right? The Diamondbacks are ahead of them. But they are still diehard fans in hockey there. You obviously have Legend and Shane Doan who played there their whole career. So it sucks for the fan base. It sucks for the beat reporters. Hopefully those reporters do get a new job. But I've been saying that they should relocate. I don't know what Gary Bettman is seeing there. Um, it's been a shit show from, like, I don't know how long now. And the funny story is they had once upon a time, they had Gretzky as their coach. So yeah. I don't I don't know. Do you think they should relocate at this point? Or do you think they should work out another tenancy deal? I mean, first of all, yeah, it just sucks for the people who actually really support the team and sucks for the reporters because like they potentially might lose their job. Yeah. And like that they've been enjoying as well. So like I really do feel for them. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like a relocation has to happen, right? At this point, yeah. like what can you do? Yeah, right, I mean, like, no one's going to the games, clearly. They went to a 3,000-cap arena. Imagine if they do end up staying. Um, you're Adam Fantilli, and imagine if you had, imagine if Coyotes got the second pick and Adam Fantilli coming out of Michigan's like, what the hell, I'm playing in college arena again. Or even Bedard, like, the biggest superstar is going, but obviously it didn't work out like that. Um, so, yeah, I think the Coyotes need to relocate at this point. It's better for hockey overall. Uh, it's been going back and forth i don't know like can they work out a miracle sure but clearly glendale kicked them out phoenix didn't work out tampi didn't work out i don't know about scottsdale i don't know how many other cities are there really i don't know in arizona but i only have heard of tampi through this story otherwise i've heard of obviously glendale and scottsdale and stuff like that and phoenix obviously but that being said they're even listening to reports that they are most likely going to be as early as next season that they might be relocating. So their score came up with an article. I also was listening to Greg Wyshynski on Halford and Bruff in the morning. Uh, there's 10 options. I threw one in myself. Would, if you want to name certain relocations, there are some realistic ones. I'll tell you which ones are the realistic ones. And then there's some like dream ones. All right. So, I mean, what if we just like, get him and put him in our sun god ice rink right what, you mean when our, our old former mayor wanted a Surrey arena like how doug mccallum wanted a Surrey was like 60,000 well i'll tell you this much they're not on this list yeah of course i mean like i mean brenda please don't man i don't want to pay yeah extra money we're already, we're already broke we're not political so we're not going to go into that yeah, anymore so like, but yeah um yeah there's some realistic options i ranked it accordingly but there's one canadian team real two canadian teams i've put on here sorry cities i've put on here um but the rest are american 
I mean, what if we go like international and what if we just change your name to change your name to change your name to thunder and send him to jalandhar right, <laughs> <laughs> right? Not, like, not not happening <laughs> like jalandhar right, uh, for those who don't know jalandhar is a city in india so we're like what if we just send him to india no we're, we're good we need them here for sure yeah i know yeah for sure north of the uh, u.s or canada obviously yeah so what do you think are the re- there are some realistic ones so let's straight start it right away uh who do you think are some cities or states i mean Quebec, right? Was one. Quebec is the one, but again, that's more of a long shot. People are saying, but there was the one Canadian team I had. Was there um, like, bring back the Nordiques essentially? But uh, wasn't there like a couple in Texas, like Austin? Not Austin. Uh, or is it Houston? One. Houston. Yeah. Houston is the favorite right now. Oh. Um, they might um, tell Minfertita, the owner of the Rockets. It depends on how he wants to run it. They're saying that Houston is definitely the favorite. Think of like cities around that area for sure that are the favorites. Around Houston. Like not in Texas, but like in that like area. I don't know the map of US. Like well. think of like the divisions of NBA <laughs> and division, NHL. Like, uh, I mean, I doubt anyone wants to go back. Does Atlanta option? Yeah, that was like something I threw in there, but yeah. I've heard reports. It's just because the TNT offices. Obviously, Atlanta failed twice. I don't want them to see them come again. Yeah, it's only because the TNT offices. Yeah, or now because the the deal there. Um, what else is there? Uh, so I'll, I'll quickly run through it then. Salt Lake and Utah was yeah. another one um they only have a jazz so it's a good spot there most and likely they have an mls team too really yeah uh, kansas city was another one that they were saying and then the rest are i think those are the three favorites um one long shot is definitely they contact the new owner of the phoenix suns and be a tenant or hopefully i don't think ishbia is going to buy them but contact ishbia to maybe come back to phoenix i think it's a long shot um a couple of names that people threw out portland it will be, I don't think it's a good area. Maybe it is, but definitely that Pacific Northwest rivalry will pick up like how it, the Cascadia and the MLS is. Um, Sacramento, I don't think that's a great spot. Uh, Milwaukee, um, that's one. So that's Green Bay and the Bucks. Just get Giannis to join us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're going to hate this one, and I hate this one. Bring a second team to Toronto, and I don't want that. <laughs> Why? That was a, a fun option to score put in, but I don't think it's going to happen, obviously. No, no Just way. because, you know, how you have two New York teams and, like, LA teams and so stuff. Like, we already hate one Toronto team. You don't make us hate <laughs> exactly. another. Right? Yeah, no. Maybe they pin them against each other, but yeah. Uh, no, so these are the 10 options. I think the realistic ones are saying are Houston and Salt Lake. Um, Kansas City was also there. Um, so these are... where If you were to move them real, out of these options... Which one do you think is the best hockey market in your opinion? I would, I mean, of course, I wouldn't say Kansas City, but there's, I would like Utah personally. Same. Yeah. I was thinking Utah because Kansas City has the Chiefs. Yeah, right. That's why. Jazz are good, but there aren't like anything special at the moment. And who knows? And like Kansas City's Missouri, right? So like St. Louis, Missouri. So they already have a team in that state. So like. True. So that's why I'll probably go with a Salt Lake. Um, I definitely want to see Quebec. Make, of course, yeah. Make it make it eight teams Canadian. I'm not saying put them in a, in a division. You have four and four in the East Coast and four in the West Coast. Um, obviously, you could, I'm sure you could realign, move the most Western Eastern Conference team over to the Central Division, and yeah, call it a day. But I would prefer Quebec. But yeah, I think Quebec the most realistic sure. one could be Salt Lake is the best spot for. Yeah, me. of course, as Canadians, we want Quebec. I mean. Just cause, why not? And then, uh, uh, yeah, realistically, I think it's Salt Lake, and then I'll say second is either Kansas City or Houston, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Um, Houston and Texas is definitely a big one just because of the taxes. Now moving to just some quick fire topics before we just close out the video. Uh, the Champions League final is officially set. Today, City qualified with a 5-1 aggregate win with a 4-0 dominant performance today. Did Rudiger not start surprise you a bit? Yes, because he did well on Holland. And uh, yeah, just Madrid were just horrible in general today. Yeah, like the midfield. Uh, other than Courtois, no one really performed. Yeah. So yeah, Courtois. Without Courtois, I could have been like 6-7. Um, as you Man United fans, enter. Let's try to ruin the treble, and then we'll try to help with that treble ruining with the FA Cup final as well. But moving on, as I just mentioned, Inter Milan onto the final with a one nothing win uh, yesterday, and an aggregate score of three nothing over their rivals AC Milan. Um, little Rafael Leao, Leao came back, but didn't do much. I mean, Inter just did what they were supposed to do in the second leg. I mean, they made it a boring dry game and yeah. i mean if you're in the lead that's what you want to do right? yeah just make sure time gets he just keeps on going past and past right yeah sticking to the footy big news came out brentford striker ivan tony who was linked to some big clubs possible move in the summer has been banned eight months and let me just get this exactly right eight months fifty thousand pounds with immediate effect of the suspension for breaching betting rules um, so essentially he confessed to 232 breaches after initially being charged with 262. So he confessed he's serving eight months. I can't, I don't know how these suspensions usually work with the betting side of things, but yeah, those are the news. Any comments quickly? Nothing really. I mean, confessed to it. So it's nothing like there's no, there's no real back and forth. Yeah. I, I mean, he, like if the fact that he confessed to it just shows that like, He'll just honorable. take his punishment yep. yeah, and just move on and hopefully don't make the same mistake again. Um, yeah, uh, moving on to the fight game. We got some big UFC cards that got announced recently. We'll just tell you what the upcoming events are. Our hometown has the next pay-per-view at UFC 289. It was supposed to be Nunez Pena 3. Um, sad that we're not going to see a third fight. The first two were definitely um, obviously the upset and then the second one was a tr I think from what I know it was a big good fight um and the second one is your boy Charles Oliveira your favorite fighter I believe yeah is I fighting watching him fight Bar Darwish yeah um we're not gonna make any predictions don't know too much about that second the one that I got uh, recently annou announced a couple of weeks ago UFC 290 your boy also Volkanovski taking on the interim uh, uh, uh champ in Yair Yair Rodriguez, Rodriguez yeah. and fellow Mexican Brandon Moreno will be also defending against Pantoja. Pantoja. Um, UFC 291. This was announced yesterday. I'm excited for this one, man. The with Masvidal retiring, the BMF uh, belt is now gonna be between Justin Gaethje, my favorite fighter, uh, probably against Dustin Poirier, and it's a second fight. So definitely excited for that yeah, one. Yeah, the second fight. I mean, they're just they just throw haymakers and it's just fun to watch right yeah i mean gaethje's a striker obviously poirier's been class in the ufc for a while now and then i feel like that's the main event but the cool main event is even could possibly even be better with uh alex Pereira versus uh blahovich right yeah Jan Jan blahovich. um Pereira making his debut at light heavyweight um obviously the last time Jan fought someone moving up was izzy and was did win that fight so let's see if alex could beat Jan. And lastly, not as big as maybe that card, but still 
Sugar Sean O'Malley is getting his title shot against Aljamain Sterling at UFC 292. And the co-main event is Weili Zhang, the women's champ, will be taking on... Uh, let me just quickly double-check here. Yeah, so, I mean, just comment about Aljamain Sterling. He won his latest fight against Henry Sejudo, who came out of retirement. And, uh, yes, I mean, he picked up his title in a controversial way through Pedrayan being dq'd so um ever since then he's proven that he's actually a legit champ because there were obviously comments of like him being a fake champ because of the way he won but he's proven it the last few fights that like he's here to yeah. stay and stuff amanda lemos is who willie Zhang is fighting yeah um pretty stacked i'm excited yeah definitely these pay-per-views are gonna be good and to finish off today's video we'll f there's a big boxing fight as well vasily lomachenko versus devin haney We've watched both fighters fight. We're not boxing aficionados. We usually try to watch a good fight to go judge it based on that or the eye test. But obviously, Haney is 11 years younger. Definitely on a win, obviously on a 26-fight win streak. The more technical fighter, 15 decisions wins, 16 knockout wins. And he's also very, like, very fast. Yeah. He has good footwork, um, has good feints. And Fought George Cambosis in Australia yeah, twice. Twice, and was it? Both times in Australia? Yes. I'll yeah, quickly fact then, check that. Yeah, I mean, he beat him Combosis pretty handily. And then, uh, yeah, he's been on just a hot run. And for Lomachenko, he's been like, it's been good for a while. Yeah, I don't know if I mean, age is getting to him now, but... Our first fight of him was that Lopez fight, which he lost. But yeah, he didn't look anything bad. Yeah. But he's on a fight three fight win streak, got the chance. So, I mean, my prediction, I'm just going to go Haney decision. Uh, I think, I mean, it shows it. I think he's a younger fighter. He'll probably beat Loma and this, by by unanimous decision. Unanimous, yeah. I think it'll go decision, and I, I'll also agree with you. I'll probably pick Haney just because, I mean, it's based off a stupid reason, but, like, Lomachenko lost to Lopez, who lost to Cambosas, who <laughs> yeah. lost to Haney. So and if you're just following that trend, Haney should be winning. Just yeah. to just to finish the fact, it was both in Australia. Both in yeah. So like to go into the other guy's home turf and to beat him twice is actually impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically, that's pretty much it. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Follow all our socials down below: our Instagram, our TikTok, and our Twitter. And please get us to a hundred subs by the end of this month. Comment if you agree, disagree with a lot of our takes, and please like the video as well. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.